0: to the People's Choice Award podcast, brought to you in partnership with Tier 1 People and Fintech Australia. The Finneys, Australia's largest and most prestigious Fintech awards, are fast approaching, and we want you to be part of it. Sponsored by the Victorian government and major partners Vocus and SwiftX, the Finneys are a chance to celebrate the amazing people, incredible innovations, and remarkable resilience that the fintech industry is known for and built upon. Fintech Organization of the Year Award is sponsored by Vocus. Thank you, Vocus, for your support in making the Finneys a reality. We look forward to seeing everyone on the 9th of June in Melbourne, and don't forget to make your vote in the People's Choice Awards. I'm joined by Bo Batoli, who's co-founder of Prosper, and they're in for FinTech of the Year Award. Bo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dexter. It's great to be here. It's great to have you back. It's um, It feels like you're the kind of the statesman of Australian fintech now. Uh, you've been here, you've been around the industry <laughs> so long.
1: Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, we're one of the inaugural members of Fintech Australia and it's obviously great to be a part of the, the burgeoning industry and just watching it, you know, flourish from a, a very small number of us, you know, sort of seven or eight, nine years ago up to, you know, what fintech has become in Australia today, which is. Yeah, a real
0: force for for positive change in this industry. Fantastic. Well, we're going to have a chat about Prosper and the year that you've had. Um, but you know, be, and I feel a bit crazy crazy for saying this, but do you want to tell our listeners a little bit of, about Prosper and who you are.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a quick um, overview um, for those who haven't haven't heard of Prosper and might be coming across this for the first time. So, uh, Prosper is is Australia's largest and leading online lender to small businesses. Um, So we set up Prosper um, in 2012 and uh, we really wanted to change the way that small businesses were experiencing finance. We wanted to come up with a product and an approach um, that really tapped into the small business owners' uh, psyche and their expectations of what they were looking for uh, when they were trying to access capital to to grow and run their businesses. And I think over the last 12 months, we've actually seen the importance, the critical importance of capital and cash flow um, in small businesses and one kind of the consequences of not having access to capital can be quite, quite severe. So over the last, um, last sort of eight and a half, nine years, we've, we've designed and built a, a wonderful business that operates now across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we have multiple product categories. So uh, we have fixed term loan products. We also have revolving uh, products and, and payments products as well. Um, we've been very focused on that S of of SME, so typically businesses um, that have revenues between two hundred grand a year and two million dollars a year. Um, we do provide products that are super flexible for our customers, and um, we've now serviced about thirty thousand small businesses across the market that we operate within. Um, we think that there are sort of circa two and a half million small businesses across both Australia and New Zealand. Um, so we still feel like we're at the very early stages of this this industry, and um, particularly the the
0: changes that are
1: happening with the way small business owners
0: are going. Yeah, um, you you've really been the trailblazers, and if you look now, space is so competitive, um, and it's really I, I guess testament to you know the the, the you know the, the the kind of pioneering of yourself and Greg but you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about the origins of Prosper and kind of how you and Greg got the idea together and how you got it off the ground.
1: So the, the idea for Prosper really came about uh, from Greg and I having our own small businesses. And um, we've both had five businesses, not together, but, but separately. And um, we've had the the challenge of trying to access capital through the traditional system. And the, the system, didn't work for small business owners back when we were, were sort of starting Prosper. And, and quite frankly, it doesn't really work today for most business owners. You've got to remember that to a, a particularly a large financial institution like a bank in their world, a small business is somebody who's looking to borrow usually one or two, maybe even up to $5 million. Yeah. What we've discovered here at Prosper and our average um, customer loan size is closer to $30,000. So there's a massive disconnect between what the traditional market sees as a small business owner or small business customer and what a small business owner actually is. So we had to come up with a a way to service small business owners and find small business owners because they are everywhere. If you walk down your local suburban high street, you might pass 1 to 200 small business owners just there. Walk down... Um, any city street in a sort of semi CBD or CBD location, you might walk past thousands of small businesses. So they really are everywhere, and their requirements are unique. No two small businesses are the same, and no two businesses are going through the same um, experience, even if they're in the same industry, maybe even in the same geographical area. They can be faced with different challenges and opportunities. So we got together um, really out of necessity, and and a big believers that there had to be a, a better way to service small business owners. Um, you're quite right about the the industry since we sort of pioneered this space going back um, sort of eight or nine years now. Um, there has been a, a flood of entrants into this market, people trying to service small business owners in different ways. And um, I look at that as a, a positive because I, I would much prefer to operate in a market where lots of people believe there's opportunity and lots of people are trying to change that that world and the way that that industry works rather than a sector that's that's quite and there's very little opportunity therefore no one's entering it um certainly out of the last year you know, nine years we've seen some big changes in the way that small business owners go looking for finance um you know when we started the business very few of them would go online fast forward to 2021 and especially after the um the impact of covid last year which also uh, pushed a lot of small business owners online for the first time um we we've seen a big shift in the way. Businesses go looking and searching for for these sorts of products, particularly in the online world. Um, we've also seen the expectations of customers change. Um, you know, when we we started the business, um, it was it could take as long as three months to get an answer from a, a bank when you're looking for finance. Um, when we started Prosper, we thought a five day turnaround would be pretty good as a, uh, a change. Um, today, you know, the the expectation from the customer is same day. You've got to get an answer and funding available almost in real time so the world continues to evolve the requirements of the customer and their expectations continue to evolve but the fundamental thing we do which is getting capital into the hands of small business owners when they need it that need has
0: not changed at all Mm -hmm. over the last decade so how how have you differentiated the prosper products now that you've got this flood of competition kind of coming into the market both
1: Differentiation for us, um, it always starts with playing to our strengths. So um, as you know, in in markets, there are usually two pathways you can choose. You can either differentiate um, your products and your services and your experiences, or you can be the lowest cost provider and lowest um, input cost provider, therefore, is the strategy. We've always chosen a model of differentiation through premium experience and premium service. And that for us has been a key differentiator. There are definitely people who come into the market and they've tried to, to lower or offer lower-priced products and different types of um, lower-quality services. And, and there is a market for them that's completely fine, but the customer base that we, we target, um, those small business owners who are time poor and who are looking for products that are fast, simple and flexible, they're also looking for an experience where they can choose their journey. And that's the the key thing that we've given to small business owners. If you want to shop online, if you want to buy a product from Possible Online, you can go down that pathway. But if you want to speak to someone, or even if you start your journey online and halfway through, you want to speak to someone, you can also get that experience from us. And we've designed and and created a very scalable operations um, platform in our business that allows that high level of premium service to be delivered to every single customer It doesn't matter whether you come through our direct channels or through our partner channels, you will get that same high level of standard experience every single time. Um, We also have focused a lot on on playing to our strengths in our areas of data and technology. And um, one of the advantages of being the first in this market and the largest is that we sit on more data um, than many of our our competitors. And in fact, probably um, a treasure chest of data in terms of who... Um, Is looking for capital, how they go looking for capital, who we can say yes to and how we can price that um, product. And we use that data to make more informed decisions, which allows us to do things like have higher approval rates. Um, It allows us to give customers more of the product that they're looking for. So, for example, um, we can give them access to... Um, things like loan amounts that are higher than perhaps the rest of the market would give or terms that are longer um, than the rest of the market would give. So we really play to our strengths in that data and we make sure that we are are really leveraging our sort of intelligence that we have um, and use that to build better products and better experiences all the way through.
0: Now, it's been a tough um, 12 months for many of your customers, I would imagine, Bo. How's that um, impacted on the Prosper business, and and how have you been able to kind of ride with the, you know, the kind of knock that everybody's had through COVID?
1: So it's really been a year, probably of two halves, is the best way um, that I could put it. So um, I remember, yeah, sort of this time last year, yeah, sort of April May timeframe in twenty twenty, um, it was a, a pretty dark world out there. You know, yeah. it was the first time I think most. Um, companies have been confronted with a situation where the government was in, inhibiting your ability to operate. And in the case of small businesses who are our target um, customers, um, many, many hundreds of thousands, if not um, even into the millions of, of business owners, had to close their doors and they were unable to trade for you know, what seemed to be an extended period of time. So um, I think there was a lot of, of uncertainty this time last year that, um, you know, that was still being resolved. You know, There was government policy, obviously, that was being developed. Um, programs like JobKeeper, which were incredibly successful, were really in their infancy at this time last year. Um, there was a, a range of things happening on the capital market side to ensure that liquidity kept flowing into the banks and into funding platforms like Prosper. So there was a, a lot of turbulence um, kind of going back 12 months. And in fact, what we saw is that many small business owners just sat on the sidelines and they, they took a couple of months out to kind of reflect on what was happening to their business. They wanted to potentially right-size their cost structures, um, and they wanted to make sure they were setting themselves up to really ride out the storm. Um, at Prosper, we were really proud of, of the approach that we took. We were able to just service and, and support approximately 34% of all of our small business customers with some type of relief. Uh, we honored 100% of requests that came through, and we did a range of things such as um, deferrals we did part, part payments um, we also got access to the government guarantee scheme we were able to keep our lending um, out there for customers that were looking to invest in their business and we, we responded really from a, a place of empathy and a place that we're very proud of in terms of how we supported small businesses if you fast forward to kind of the latter half of 2020 um, sort of around the september october november time frame Um, There definitely was a change in tone. And what we saw, and again, we have a lot of data on the small business economy. We saw that most small business owners by the tail end of last year had been able to adapt their businesses to the new normal for them. And in many cases, they were either back at pre-COVID revenue levels, and in some cases, actually ahead of pre-COVID. And there were industry sectors Um, there were actually net beneficiaries of of the stimulus programs in particular. So the retail sector, for example, had a very strong um, sort of end to 2020. Um, Hospitality outside of CBD kind of areas, so the suburban areas, um, saw record months. Building and trade, um, obviously there was a lot of stimulus through home building and a range of other programs that ensured lots of work continued to be put out there. So our target sectors um, from a, a customer perspective um, started to come right back online and that that momentum has continued right into this year and as we sit here in May 21 um, it definitely feels to us like we were at pre-COVID levels and in fact if anything there's been this pent-up demand from small business owners who made a lot of decisions last year to be indecisive in the sense that they they put off investment choices who are now coming back into the economy and making those investment choices. Um, things like inventory is a good example. Many small business owners ran their inventory levels down to a bare minimum. And that's that's okay in a crisis. That's not okay in a growing economy. You need to have a lot of inventory and, and many months supply in order to ensure you can maximize your sales. Same with hiring. Um, many small businesses um, who either weren't recipients of JobKeeper, or even if they were, they still had too high a cost structure, had to downsize a little bit if you're now rehiring, that takes money because often new employees take a few months before they're productive um, in your business. So there was a range of of decisions business owners put off last year that they're now coming back that require capital. And we think that's going to underpin a lot of business and commercial investment over the next couple of years. And that's going to be very good for a business like Prosper as we head into the next couple of years.
0: Fantastic. Now, you are up for FinTech Organization of the Year. And I want to kind of stress that word organization because it must be really gratifying for you when you look back at the origins of a startup and here you are asx listed you know a true enterprise business um what are what are some of the you know kind of lessons that you've learned on that journey Bo, particularly when it comes to you know being very very strategic around growth um, you know, you were again, you know, kind of almost, you know, set the tone with the IPO as well. And, you know, really kind of, as we look at the number of IPOs that have happened in fintech since the, the prosper one, it's again, like you kind of, you know, tr- you know, blazed the trail for everybody else to follow. So what, what would be your tips to any founders out there who are dreaming about one day kind of going on that journey of enterprise?
1: I mean, the, the starting point for me is always the problem space you're playing in and, the, and your belief or your connection through it. And I think if, if a founder deeply believes in what they're doing, that becomes very infectious for the team around you. And I think particularly in the, the fintech world, um, there's a, a lot of problem spaces where the products that we're building, the services we create, can have hugely positive impacts on, on customers. I mean, I look at what we do here at Prosper and, um, you know, during the, the lockdowns in Victoria, I remember a customer story where um, their, their business had been shut and they sold um, sort of baby clothes and, and that type of um, infant uh, clothing. And because of the retail lockdowns, they weren't able to open their doors. So they started creating an Instagram shop to try and get some revenue through their business. And Prosper funded a loan for them to try and get that marketing. It was a small loan, maybe $15,000 to get that marketing underway. And that help actually kept their doors open, get the revenue into their business. And in fact, that part of their business is now twice the size. As in online sales, that twice wow. the size of the retail shop. And it's so powerful to be a part of journeys like that where you mm. hear customers just thanking you. For your product and the, the service that you've provided because it's helped them move their, their lives forward or their world forward. So I think first bit of advice is always to look at your, your purpose, your why, um, what is it that you do as a business and how is it helping people, your customer, um, move their world forward. And I think the, the better the purpose, the more connected you feel to it um, becomes infectious. And you, you find that people get attracted to that. They want to be part of it. They want to play a, a more important role. And I guess the second um, biggest thing that we've learned, and we saw this through the, the crisis last year, which is around team and culture and how important it is to not just have that purpose clear, but to be really clear on the value set and what you stand for as a business. Because in good times and in you know, boom growth years, um, growth can be infectious and that can be the reason people are sticking around. But culture really gets tested when times are tough and you, your chips are down. And yeah, for, for us, across, we, we saw that last year, we had a really tough period at the start of, of COVID. And it was the investment in our team and culture that really pulled us through as one team. Um, and we came out of, of COVID late last year in an even better position, I believe, as a, a team than we went into it. So that would be the second area to really focus on team, focus on culture. Um, and then yeah, the third part, I think, in terms of, of scaling up, that we've learned certainly looking back is that there are different eras and different teams that you need to kind of move through those growth journeys or growth um, times. You know, the team that is there as the founding team, you know, the first 10, 15, 20 um, kind of employees is often a very different team when you get to 50 to 100. And it might even be a different team again as you get to 150 to 250 and then onwards to 500. Mm. Um, you need to, to know at what point you're at and, where the the kind of gaps in the team and the the opportunities lie. Um, Often when you're hiring quickly, um, you're also not necessarily thinking about those structures and the the teams that you're going to need to kind of take you forward. So understanding and looking at how the team structure needs to evolve. And yeah, sometimes that can mean really tough decisions as a a leader of an organization, um, thinking about what you need in order to build the business of the future. Um, being grateful, obviously, for the the people that have helped you and the team that's helped you build where you you are, but also looking forward into the future and thinking about those those team mm. people, team members you need um, to get into the future. Um, the final bit of of advice is really around um, the capital side of things, and yeah, we we live in a world today where the world is is awash with capital, and there's a lot of money chasing different ideas and. It certainly feels like it's a lot easier to raise capital today than perhaps it was even three or four years ago. Um, but being really careful as a founder and as leaders of a business around how you structure that capital um, into your business. And um, you know, our pathway to, to IPO um, is, is obviously more well documented. And, and in fact, in hindsight, us being listed was probably key to our survival when, when COVID came through um, early last year. Um, but ensuring that your business is is ready for whatever that next stage is, and you know, for example, being a listed business is is fantastic, but it also comes with extra compliance, extra oversight, extra costs, and ensuring that you're ready for those as a um, as a startup scale up is very important. Um, and also looking at the the different pathways you can take. You know, listing is not the end of the game. Listing is really the beginning of the next phase of growth and. I think that's an important misconception that um, many people think that when you get listed, like, woohoo, you fit, you know, a home run. It's like, no, no, that's just the beginning. Like now's when the hard work really starts. So really understanding your capital pathways, your options, um, not rushing through any particular um, pathway. And in in the listed case, really understanding what it takes and and
0: what you need in order to be ready to list. Awesome. Now this is the people's choice award where, the community and the, the fintech community and the kind of public get to put their vote for who who they'd like to see as um, the fintech organization of the year award so for those listening what why should people pick prosper
1: well prosper is a, an organization um, that hopefully many people can, can connect with because If you um, speak to almost anyone in your network, you will come across multiple small business owners. And it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, it could be a friend. Um, All of us know someone who is running their own business and, and try to get ahead. And if you speak to those business owners and you ask them, what are the most important things in your mind? Where are your greatest challenges? Access to capital just keeps on coming up over and over and over again. And at Prosper, we feel very compelled that we've been able to solve that problem in a really, really big way. And um, as of of this month, we will have lent out approximately $2 billion now across the Australian and New Zealand small business economy.
0: How does that make you feel when you say that number?
1: It makes us feel really proud. I mean, you can get lost in the the numbers when it comes to finance because the numbers are so big, but when you break it down and you think that every one of those loans was approximately $30,000, you know, it's a really big number of customers that we've been able to help across the Australian and New Zealand economies. And the multiplier effect of what we do is is huge. For every million dollars, so every 1 million we lend, it creates 57 jobs and has a $4 million, 4X um, impact to GDP. Wow. So when we think about the impact um, of Prosper, you know, we've had an $8 billion increase to GDP and, and created over 100,000 jobs across wow. the economy. And when you think about we're coming out of this crazy um recession that we've been in due to, to COVID-19, um, what, a, what a role that we're playing. So um, from a, a People's Choice Award perspective, um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of what we've achieved. We are um, certainly pioneers in this space, but we, we feel like our contribution to the small business world in particular and then the economy as a, a grander um, extension of that is really meaningful. And yeah, as a team we we spend all of our time thinking about how we can do what we do better, how we can serve the small business customer even better as we build more products and services to help them grow, run, and make payments in their business. So, um, yeah, yeah, we are one of the older uh, fintechs out there. You know, we're now in our ninth year. and
0: The forefathers, mate. That's who you
1: are. <laughs> <laughs> Fintech wasn't a word when we started. So that came in a few years down the journey. But, um, you know, we, we feel really proud of what we've achieved and we think that the the journey for us is is really just beginning. So if we've been able to pioneer and inspire a number of businesses to, to come behind us, that's that's a great feeling as well as servicing and serving so many small business owners. Um, it does give us a lot of satisfaction. You know, we, we go to bed at night and, and wake up feeling really good about what we do. And we get really excited because we still feel like we're in the very early days of this industry and, and what we can build here at Prosper.
0: Well, Bo, from me and the team at Tier 1 People, we wish you and Prosper all the best in the finals. I mean, mate, it's just great. I love, I love having these chats with you. It uh, always gets me so psyched up. Thanks, mate. No worries at all. Thanks so much, Dexter, and good luck to everyone out there um, as part of the awards. FinTech Organization of the Year Award is sponsored by Vocus. Thank you, Vocus, for your support in making the Fennies a reality. We look forward to seeing everyone on the 9th of June in Melbourne. And don't forget to make your vote in the People's Choice Awards.